big fan of the South African team being in the European Cup. Trick is in the name. You can see that one part doesn't fit into the other. I do think they've brought a huge amount of style and some fantastic rugby to Subscribe it. to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you 3 to 5. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. Remember, folks, Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Start your morning with a Braeburn coffee, whether you prefer a classic cappuccino or an iced oat milk latte. Braeburn is something for everyone, available at Apple Green locations nationwide. Audie Watkins has scored his 13th Premier League goal of the season to double Aston Villa's lead. They're now 2 0 up on Newcastle at Villa Park. 73 minutes on the watch in the Championship. It is Sheffield United 2. Cardiff City won. A lot of women's sport this weekend as well. We're going to keep you up to date on the women's uh, Premier Division games in the SSE Electricity League throughout the afternoon. The Ladies National Football League Division 1 final is between Kerry and Galway. It throws in at 5 at Croke Park. We'll also keep you right up to speed on the Division 2 final sponsored by Little Armagh against Leash at 3 o'clock throw in. Tomorrow we'll see the very Ireland Camogie finals take place at HQ. The Division 2A final involving Kerry and Meath throws in at noon. Then two counties with all Ireland aspirations, Cork and Galway, meet in the Division 1A decider at 10 to 2. On the line to look ahead, the former All Ireland winner with Cork and Dublin Camogie player Sarah O'Donovan. Sarah has the form. Hey, John, how are you? Greetings from Grey Cork today, unfortunately. Well, look, um, it is the second capital. Sometimes you've got to get bad weather as well down there. <laughs> Absolutely. But we're very much looking forward to tomorrow. The top three um, gigs between the likes of Cork, Galway, Kilkenny always have a feel of Dublin Kerry about them. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the excitement that uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Division 2A finalists between Kerry and Meath. What can we expect out of that one? Yeah, so two very, very strong teams, right? Um, Kerry have been to Croke Park twice, um, lost to Dublin in 2018 and then won against Limerick in 2019. So they have experience of Croke Park. Meath, very new team, had a couple of retirements. Jane Dolan retired, uh, but played in the league this year, very strong in the league, both teams. Kerry had the upper hand beating uh, Meath 112-12. So... I would say tomorrow, 12 o'clock, very tight game. Two teams who know each other very, very well. But Kerry have the upper hand. Cork and Galway meeting again in the regular league. Galway won by a point end of the park. Uh, Will that match have any bearing? Yeah, I think for psychologically for Cork, Cork haven't won this title in 10 years. Um, Obviously, Galway are looking to retain the title. I think it was an important day for Cork to knock Galway out that day. Now, obviously, look, they had qualified already and it was actually tip, we're hoping, to to qualify. Galway got there by beating Cork. Um, I think from Cork's point of view, the last number of years, Galway always seemed to have had the upper hand. So I think going into the game tomorrow in Croke Park, really, really important that Cork get a good start and win the game, ultimately, because if you're not winning, you're failing. Does that seep into the players' brains when you were playing Camogie at the top level? Um, if you kept on losing to the same team, which Cork seemed to be doing to Galway, they lost the All-Ireland series recently as well. Uh, does it become a, a mental issue? I think, yes, there is a, a certain drain there. And interestingly, the Cork Intermediates played Galway in the Intermediate final last year. Humdinger of a game in Croke Park. Really, really enjoyed it. Galway came out on top. Cahill Murray was speaking during the week about three of the players making the step up from intermediate to senior this year, being given a chance and taking it. So psychologically, that group of players has an, an edge over Cork as well. So Cork need at some stage to stop the rot and get a win over this team. And, you know, no no better game than the league final. This team are playing each other in the first round of championship in June. So again, stop the rot now here in April. That's what Cork have to do tomorrow. 
spoken to Eamon, Eamon McGee there uh, before the break about Gaelic football and, and teams trying to peak at certain times um, you've just had a busy league which may have won in Gaelic football now they've got a break until they come back for the round robin because they got knocked out by Ross Common what's the kind of the graph or the rhythm of a camogie player throughout the year um, probably have less resources um, they've got a league final to look forward to will the peak say of an All-Ireland final in the autumn or well, now it'll be in July uh, be different to the peak tomorrow yeah I think Judging by the games that I watched, I was in Parnell Park to see Kilkenny play Dublin and I thought Kilkenny were very off colour that day. Um, Tipperary got a scalp against Galway the first day out. Clare beat Kilkenny uh, their first day out. The teams are coming in, I suppose, at different levels in terms of their training. And, you know, that July cutoff point for teams last year does affect the inter-county teams because obviously it's it, they're longer breaks and management teams are finding it harder obviously to get players back together. Interestingly I noted that Meath who are obviously playing at 12 o'clock tomorrow didn't have a training ground to train in or certainly an appropriate training ground to train in last week and when you're facing into a game in Croke Park the least you could do is you know have have a decent pitch to train on the le- in the lead up to those games and I suppose psychologically for me that's something that would impact them because you're making these big commitments and you're not you know you're not being given the, the proper uh, facilities to train. So we've seen renewed calls for a merger this week, uh, ladies football, Camogie and the GA. I think that's going to happen at some stage. Um, but what will it mean for female Gaelic sports in the country when it actually does happen tangibly? That's a big, big question to answer. I suppose I've I've always played with teams and clubs who've put women front and centre when they're organising uh, the sharing of their facilities. Uh, my own club, uh, home club, Ballygarvin, you know, always ensured that we had full access to the main pitches uh, at suitable times um, during the week. I found in Dublin over the last number of years, in an effort, obviously because of the tight confines and the number of limitations in terms of the pitches, Mogi teams were being offered slots to train at nine and ten at night. Now, do I want to do a full day's work and then go out training at nine o'clock at night? No, I don't. So I think it's important when this merger happens that everyone goes to the table together and says what's appropriate and how is it going to build communication within the clubs and in terms of athlete development having considered all of the aspects of a player's daily life and how they build their routine into the day equality is key absolutely uh, what have you learned from coaching camogie in recent years appetite is different with different groups um you'll have some players who absolutely die for it and then you some players who see it as a social element um i i notice having coached a, a number of uh, male teams over the last number of years as well that it's not as social for them as it is for or for female camogie players and i suppose the intensity that you can get immediately in in male side of, of the game, you don't necessarily get with camogie teams, certainly at a club level, at an inter-county level, that's that's different again. And you can get up to the pitch of it. But I suppose the appetite can be different from male teams to female teams. And that's something that has to be managed by a management team. And, and I suppose in the force of it and the importance of stressing how important it is to train the way you intend to play, that delivers performances. How can Camogie take advantage of this new environment where obviously the success of the women's soccer team going to World Cup, Leona Maguire, Katie Taylor, etc. is now being illuminated across all discussion points, whether it's social media, traditional media like we're involved in here right now and obviously we're involved in both. Um, 
how can more young girls get involved in playing camogie if they're interested or is is there a way of um, just getting a, a recruitment drive going? Um, I, I think actually the clubs are doing an incredibly good job with the mini leagues um, all the way all the way through in, in the different counties. You know, it, there is a real impetus put on players coming together at six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 and, and having this community on a Saturday and a Sunday morning. And I've been down in Parky Keeve a number of weekends with my nephew, uh, Archie, and, you know, there's 100, 150 kids on the field for an hour and a half. There's a big parade around it. There's a lot of colour, loads of different teams. And then the next group comes in. It, it's brilliant at that age from, say, 5 to 12. It's that period from 12 to 19 where we really need to look at encouraging players to stay in the game because there's obviously different distractions and I think that's where the GA needs to look at attracting players and keeping players now you know Galway um, over you know over in the west we will say uh, potentially pools of players not there but if you look at the Galway women's team are playing this evening um, in the 1A final football they're playing tomorrow in the Camogie uh, 1A final they're doing something right over there and maybe theirs is the imprint because they're managing to have dual dual teams going at the same time with you know pools of players and I talked about an intermediate team earlier from from Galway they have masses of players masses of interest so what are they doing over there that that we could possibly um is replicate in other counties you touched upon a Dublin Kerry kind of thing in the uh, top of the Camogie echelon of Intercounty so 2014 was the last time there was a division 1 champion that wasn't Galway Cork or, or Kilkenny are there any counties challenging the dominance of the top 3 I think, interestingly, this year, Tipperary have a very balanced side. They were very unlucky not to qualify for the league final. And in 2020, during the COVID year, they actually qualified for the league final, but didn't get to play it, if if memory serves me right. They have a cohort of players there, the likes of Casey Hennessy, the likes of Roisin Howard, really, really strong players, a group that have stuck together for a period of five, six years. They're the challengers. They're they're getting used to playing the big teams and, and getting a scalp. You know, got a scalp against Galway. Do really well against Cork when they come up against them. Same with Clare. Clare got a scalp against Kilkenny in this year's league in the first round. I know I said Kilkenny were off colour, but you have to know that you can beat them. And, you know, for, for Clare, psychologically, they got one up against Kilkenny. That was a big result for them this year. In Division 1B, Waterford, who were relegated by Dublin two years ago. And I was on the management panel that year with Dublin and I was never so relieved at the final whistle when we managed to survive. Um, But that Waterford team has taken two years to come back up to, I suppose, the heights of 1A. But last year, the All-Ireland semi-final against Cork, they were brilliant. They really, really pushed them. So another team stuck together, really well organised. And it's just about keeping a group of 20, 25 players together for a period of two, three years, just to try and build it to get close. And Kilkenny, as you say, they had a bit of a dip in the league. Would you expect them to be back around the very top as all Ireland champions come? The crucial oh, time. Yeah, I'm, to- I'm not. I'm not worried per se. I suppose it's just it, it depends on whether their appetite is there. They've been incredibly successful over the last number of years. After a period where they couldn't win all Ireland finals, um, I, I just I love watching them hurl uh, the the way they the way they go about breaking teams down and they're off the shoulder running and their ferocity. We're very lucky to have the likes of Cork, Kilkenny and Galway in the game because it is niche. Camogie is niche. It's a hard game to play. It's a hard game to learn the skills. But when it's played at full flight, like it will be at uh, Croke Park tomorrow, it's breathtaking. 
Eamon was touching upon the uh, maybe uniformity of coaches in Gaelic football. Um, is it a challenge getting good camogie coaches? No, I I don't think that it is a challenge. I I think the commitment is something that people outside of the game should be more cognizant of. You're committing every weekend to showing up for a group of players and you're basically writing off 40 weeks of your year, you know, and while coaches may have the appetite, it's the commitment for that relentless on the pitch touch point three or four nights a week. That is something that would drive players or coaches away from the game. Um, you know, you're you're asking for a massive commitment and you're asking people to take time away from their families. And that's we're very lucky to have coaches who consistently commit um, over, you know, 40 weeks of every year. Cahill Murray with Galway, his commitment over the last, I think he's there with them six years now. I could be wrong, but he seems like he's around forever. And knowing what I know now, having been involved with a number of teams over the last number of years, it's a massive commitment and uh, much harder to be a manager than a player, I've decided you must have then have to have a degree of um, pure vocational love for the thing. Yeah, I think so. I look, I, I, I'm a, I, I love hurling. I'd watch it every day. Um, and the Skeenish Gold Finals will be on in Parky Heave this year. And I'm just moved to Cork and I and I can't wait to go down to the park and see them during the summer. Like that's, that's what I love about it. It's just, I'd watch all, any hurling game. But I think everyone who's involved in the sport doesn't necessarily see the bright lights or the 80,000 people in Croke Park. They just love to see the game being played well. And uh, the 17s and and 19s games that are on at the minute um, in the hurling side of things are going under the radar. And I'm a little disappointed that it's all being shoveled into one kind of midweek slot. Um, I think we're really missing a trick in terms of promoting the game by not making those games available um, during the week. There should be a channel, a dedicated channel that that I could switch on on a Monday or Tuesday night and watch hurling. <laughs> it's it, the demand is there, you know. I will just get to the Camogie final tomorrow. How are Cork going ahead of this round robin and Munster? Are they are they well set now? Yeah, look, I, I, they're going in as slight favourites. I, I think that's a bit. I think that's not necessarily where it is based on the form between the two teams over the last number of years. But from Cork's point of view, they're in very good shape and look a new midfield pairing with Saoirse McCarthy and Laura Hayes um, nice to see Amy O'Connor in in really good form at the minute Saoirse McCartan um, really really positive at the minute Hannah Looney won't start uh, tomorrow she was in Austin last week with the All-Stars Orla Cronin is fit she won't start either tomorrow but you know that depth of their bench is something that we probably haven't had in previous years. Ashling Thompson's out with a cruciate ligament injury and uh, big loss for Cork because obviously Ashling is a game changer unquestionably and in the last number of years every time she's been kind of brought into games she has changed games so Galway will probably be a little relieved that she's not on the field tomorrow because she is a formidable player for them. Um, in terms of Galway themselves, Sean Healy as captain, what what a leader to have at the back. Uh, Sarah Durvin appeared uh, the day in Cork for, for the Cork game. The former, or sorry, current or former, well, she's been away for a bit, but uh, I didn't know if Sarah was going to come back to Galway this year um, and is obviously a formidable fullback for for Galway. But uh, certainly to have her in the mix tomorrow would be a big um, thing for Galway to have Roisin Black, uh, Ailish O'Reilly, like what a 
stalwart for Galway, popping up with goals again this year at crucial times. She is just relentless. Carrie Dolan, um, really, really good season again. So lots of big names on both sides tomorrow. And I suppose it just depends who's at their peak, as you said earlier, who, who has managed to find their peak at this point in the year, because the game is there to be won and it is a big title. And if you are telling me that Cork aren't looking forward to that game tomorrow and don't want to win it... Oh, like, it does, that wouldn't make sense that wouldn't make sense I'm looking at Dennis Walsh's article in the Irish Times here today why is it so unusual for a woman to manage a Camogie team 10 of the top 12 teams in this year's leagues are managed by men um, does Camogie have enough pathways for women managers to get into the game it does it does but what is the Camogie offering a women's Camogie manager to come into the game so if I'm looking to manage a team they're championship fixtures for this year's competition were released less than a month ago. So I need to plan my year with my team around a championship that I had no idea about in January, February. I I genuinely think it's the organisational aspects of the game that are letting Camogie managers step away when they might necessarily show more interest. If if I was looking at taking on a team, taking on Dublin, taking on Cork, and I had the fixtures for the following year in my diary from September, October, and I was able to plan my year, for me, for my players, that would open up, um, I think, conversations between prospective managers and inter-county teams. But until that organisation is there, I would have no interest in taking on a team, not knowing where I'll be in six, seven weeks' time. Uh, how are you going tomorrow, Cork and Galway? How do, how do you see it going? I think Cork are going to win this one tomorrow. Um, I think 10 years is a long time to be away from from those steps. And I think it would be incredibly exciting to see Amy O'Connor as captain uh, lift the trophy tomorrow in Croke Park. Sarah Donovan, uh, former All-Ireland winner with Cork and Dublin Camogie player. Thanks so much. Good talking to you as always. And we'll catch up soon. Thanks, John. Bye.